Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from Women Innovate Mobile, Kelly Hoey. So it is wonderful to be here, and thank you all for coming out tonight. Um, I am Kelly Hoey. I'm one of the uh, three co-founders of Women Innovate Mobile. We're a startup accelerator based here in New York, and we focus on investing in mobile and mobile-first companies, and there must be gender diversity on the founding team. And it gives me great pleasure to have this panel tonight. Um, we have one of those moments in startup, you know, I want to say startup history where you have a startup that, while well, it launched, it scaled and it successfully exited. And that's why we're having Red Stamp and the Red Stamp story. Um, so we have Stephanie with the Occasions Group, who's the acquirer. We have Aaron, who is, it's like the dating game. We have, <laughs> we have Aaron, our successful founder, startup founder. And we have Joanne, who is the angel investor. So this is going to be fun. So. We're, uh, I want to dive in first, though. We talked about this in terms of introducing people. I'm going to start with Stephanie. Who the heck is the Occasions Group? Great question. And I'm Stephanie Schmidt. Nice to meet everyone, see everyone tonight. And we're part of Taylor Corporation. Taylor Corporation is one of the largest privately owned organizations in the United States. And the Occasions Group is one of the business units within Taylor that's focused on personalized communications. Everything we do revolves around personalized communications. And I lead business development for the Occasions Group, and I'm on the lookout for people like Aaron. So that's what I do. That's what, that's what you do, and you're sticking to that story. Okay. So, Aaron. Hi. We know you as the founder yeah. of Red Stamp, and I want to get into what problem you were trying to solve back in 2005. But why the heck were you the one to found Red Stamp? Um, you know, there's lots of reasons, right, that lead us to our destiny. Um, for me, Red Stamp was my destiny. I was working at a Fortune 500 company, having the time of my life, and um, I was a newly minted MBA, and realizing that as I kept getting busier in life, and I had a family, and I had an elderly parent that I was caring for, and everything else, that um, it was really, really hard to have it all, which is a whole other topic altogether, and we're not going to go into it. <laughs> Not we'll be here on this all stage night. with me, no. That's right. Um, but, you know, just having a love of friends and family and feeling like, you know, it really was important to me to keep my relationships really strong. Um, I also had a love for technology, and I realized that technology was an interesting way to help make relationships stronger. And that's the core of what Red Stamp is. I mean, there's lots of different um, ways to express yourself and, and make those relationships stronger. Hi, Joyce. Um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, finding your, having an idea and then finding the vehicle for that idea, which for us was Red Stamp, um, was just a really powerful, powerful thing. Awesome. So I think everyone knows Joanne Wilson, the Gotham gal. If you're not reading that blog, go online, pull out Safari, find the Gotham gal, get yourself subscribed to the blog. So Aaron was funded by friends and family, and then you got, you know, an angel investor who came along. So, Joanne, tell us, how did Aaron come to your attention? Uh, she cold emailed me, <laughs> and I do respond to all my emails, and I met with Aaron. She came in, and we met, and had breakfast, or coffee, coffee, breakfast, and... Had eggs um, and toast, I had eggs and toast. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... Uh, what was interesting is that the business was at a very different point at that point. It was very driven with paper 
And um, I said to her that I thought what she did was totally great, but I didn't see this as where the business was going in the future as technology became more integrated into um, correspondence. And so we had a great chat. She went back. Three months later, she, like, really, a couple months later, contacted me. Okay, I've rethought this whole thing out, and this is what I'm doing. And it literally was a complete, you know, 180-degree turn from paper to being online. And I was like, okay, now I'm interested. And, and what was it in her original email, like, in terms of that you said, okay, this is someone who, yes, I respond to email, but what was it? Was there something that you could already sense about this person as a founder that piqued your interest? I, I don't know. I mean, you know... You know <laughs> this I mean, is like get, the dating game. You know, it... Um, <laughs> You know, you get, you get emails, I, I really, because of probably the content that I write about, I've really become sort of this chick magnet, and women write me all the time, <laughs> and many say, you know, I read your blog, or, you know, I've been watching for years, and I, I've never said anything, but I wanted to ask you a question, I'm thinking about this, and you know, she was in Minneapolis, and, you know, I, I and also she called me at a time where... You know, I haven't ramped up just like all of our lives have ramped up through technology. And so, um, you know, it's, it sparked my interest, and so I took a meeting. But it is this thing at this early stage, that, and it's that annoying thing for startups founders where you say, no, it's all about the founder and it's all about the team, which is, you know, if you're the startup or the founder and then you've got the team, it's a really annoying answer from investors. But, you know, as you noted, the idea changed, and it was something, they something different. They always you think you have a good idea, but you have a better one. Just remember yeah. that. They um. always change. <laughs> um, so, 2005, take us back. What was the problem? So, um, as I mentioned, you know, really, again, life getting harder, more things to do, more boxes to check. Um, this is before, and to Joanne's point earlier about paper, this is before Facebook, before Twitter, before smartphone. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, think about it. Our lives were so different back then. And what we felt like we could do really well was connect people with events over the web, the World Wide Web. And we would um, let people input sentiment and output paper. So, um, you know, we felt like we were a really good show. When I say we, I mean me and my team, because it really is so much about you and your team and the people that invest in you. Um, you know, we just, again, going back to that idea of making relationships stronger and saying, what, you know, what is the platform here? How do we evolve with the time? It was paper to begin with, but then when social media entered the picture, we said, great, this is great. And that's one of the reasons, and now Kelly's going to get to this in a little bit, that we talk about social commerce. It's just this merging, the technology is this merging of, of really interesting properties um, that give you a platform and a voice. But I think the really important thing there, too, is that it is just a platform and you still have to have that voice. Very cool. So, Stephanie, I want to come back to you. So, in the press release back in August, um, your CEO said, you know, this great mobile experience, and that's what it said in the press release. But it had to be more than that. It was a lot more than that. <laughs> and Aaron and I have been meeting off and on for a couple years, having this uh, conversation, this ongoing conversation. And the Occasions Group and its brands had a long and rich heritage of uh, paper and personalized communications, whether it's wedding invitations or baptism, barn bat mitzvah, uh, confirmation, Christmas, holidays. And we were really looking at where is the customer going, whether it's social commerce or 
how she's communicating with her friends and family. And we knew that we needed to, to continue to find ways to innovate. And we also had put a stake in the ground and said, well, we know that it's mobile. It's like the internet. It's not going away. And so as we looked at different options and really canvassed the landscape, uh, Red Stamp was someone, and Erin and her team also, that stood out to us. Because when we acquire companies or look to work with companies, it's not just what they're doing and why they're doing it, but it's the talent and the people behind it and their vision. And I think that nimbleness that you talked about in changing your, your vision, um, that we're looking for so we can constantly evolve and change with the customer. And that's one of the real reasons we were attracted to Red Stamp or many of the reasons we were attracted to Red Stamp. Very cool. Um, let's talk about the name. The name Red Stamp. How'd you come up with the name? We were joking back in the briefing room. Um, and I'm looking <laughs> say at it, like, say it, say I it. know, I know. Should I tell everyone what our name was going to be at one point in time? Um, <laughs> I'll get to that. A little cliffhanger. Um, but you know, a name, name is really hard. How many of you guys are entrepreneurs? Wow, okay. So have you guys done what I did, which is like pull your hair out, cry, because you're like, what's the name? What URL can I get? Where do I, you know? Um, it's hard. And not only is it hard to come up with something you think is brilliant, but then you look and like 10 other people have thought it's brilliant too. And so you can't get the proper IP, intellectual property protection that you need. Um, the URL is already taken. It's, it's really tricky. So for us, um, we were talking in the back room about naming and, and how important the right name in, is, and it really is. And I think that one of the things, um, when, we sat, when I sat down and said, okay, what, what do we want to name our company? We had some names out there like Calendar Girls. I mean, really, that could have been. I don't think I would have been sitting here right now, actually, if our name was Calendar Girls. Oh. <laughs> I think I would be on like Plan C. I can't imagine the occasions group. Anyways, um, I shouldn't say that because someone, I don't, I don't want to offend anyone. Um, but you know, really, when I sat down and said, all right, so what is it that we're trying to do here? We are trying to help people be very organized, hence the idea of a calendar. And what are we really trying to do here? Again, make relationships stronger. So we thought about the name Stamp as, you know, it, it is, it's, it's, it's like the, um, the way to, to monetize currency, right, is, is stamps. So when we thought about it, we were like, okay, red stamp, that has a nice ring to it. Um, originally, the URL was taken, but we jumped on that right away, and that was really important, and I think worth it at the time. It's, it's never easy. But the naming process, you know, then we did our check with our legal, et cetera. The naming process is hard, but I will say that once you find something, bounce it off people, look it up, um, make sure that it doesn't have any negative associations and just really really stick on it because the name is a very important thing don't shortchange that that piece of the process well and you and you paid a wasn't an insignificant amount for the url we did we yes we actually there was an agency um, out in california that still exists today they're now redstamp.ca thank you guys um, but we actually negotiated the purchase of redstamp because we wanted, to, we knew eventually as, as we moved away from paper and cards um, and more towards social commerce, we knew that cards would hold us back a little bit. Joanne, thoughts on names? Names are very important. I mean, they are your brand, they're what roll off your tongue, and the brand and that name in many ways is the pinnacle at the top, and everything falls down from there. And is there ever a point where it's just too late to? change that name it's really hard to change your name i mean it really is i mean i see you know i do more seed stage investing and certainly that's one of the conversations at the beginning and obviously and, and i have a um a whole syndicate of people that i 
send deals to and they send deals to me and you know once in a while I'll be like oh my god that name that name's got to change it's so awful um, and um, I mean nine times out of ten the entrepreneur completely agrees um, the name's hard but it's it is you know everyone is a brand now um, you're you're your brand on your Instagram and you have a name, your brand on your Facebook, you can call it a name, You're, you are a brand. And what I think is valuable about Red Stamp um, and timing and as it has evolved is we are in this sort of um, uh, custom um, consumerization of America, of the world, through the World Wide Web and, and, or, and to use that kind of correspondence um, it is an extension of your brand, and so the name is important. The colors you choose are important, and particularly, you know, you think about middle school kids, and there's there's more than a handful out there that have fifty thousand Instagram followers, and they think very carefully about the picture they take, what they're going to post, what they're going to say, and um, uh, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting time. We'll have that for a different panel on, you know, naming your child, picking the school, <laughs> making sure you get the Instagram before you get, oh, dear. Um, that's really going to go somewhere. So, Erin, I want to come back to you. Challenges. Now, there's always challenges launching a startup. But I want you to sort of think of, right, all right, what are the things that some, somewhat surprised you or delighted you? Um, maybe you get delighted by challenges with scaling. Because you re yeah, you've that's, really, that's you've really done what so many people, you know, just first of all, you've exited. But the fact that you went from startup, not just being a startup, you launched and, you be and scaled in terms of being a company. So talk about that. Um, that's because that was the only option. I really, I really think that you have to go in with your whole heart and you have to believe that, that that's what you're going to do. You're going to launch this and you're going to exit it. And whatever that means, how, whatever the exit that's right for you, that's great. Um, but I will tell you, and many of you know, because almost everyone raised your hand when you said you're an entrepreneur, it's the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. It's really, really challenging and it's really, really great. Um, so scaling is, is hard, and I think that the hard part is understanding when to go all in and when to pull back. I mean, Joanne has been there with me along the ways and having great people <laughs> that you can call and say, oh, wait, we can't swear, right? Um, <laughs> Please don't help. swear on the podcast. Right, right. Oh, help. Um, <laughs> I really need you to tell me that this is going to be okay. Um, you know, it's, and Joanne is nodding because she remembers having those conversations with me. And all of her, all of her, you know, wonderful entrepreneurs as well. But it's, it's, it's a really hard business. And I give every one of you credit for doing it. Um, so I don't want to keep going on and on. No, but do you want me to get to the scaling piece? And yeah, yeah, why don't you talk about the scaling? And I want, you know, Joanne, jump in in terms of where sure. are the pieces of that where you're sure. like, okay, this, well, is, this is where you see as, as those um, stumbling blocks were for some startups that they don't ever get to that stage of scaling. Well, and I think, let me, before you jump into that, yeah, I think yeah. the, the really important thing is to make sure you have a bunch of advisors and people that you surround yourself with, whether they're formal advisors or informal advisors, but people like Joanne, really, and, and Kelly, too. I mean, uh, it's, it's really important to get people who are going to be brutally honest, at the same time, really caring, get what you're trying to do, because if they don't get what you're trying to do, the chances are you're just going to totally swerve off. Sometimes swerving is, is okay, but you've got to have that end vision in sight. So surrounding yourself with good people, and I'll let the good person answer the rest of that. Um, you know, scaling is, um, I think the key to scaling is listening to your marketplace. 
Um, you know, you put something out there, you hope to get traffic, you hope to get traction, people that are coming back. And if you uh, don't get that traction, um, then you need to rethink about what you're doing and figure out what I can do to get traction. You know, I look at um, scaling a business to a very simple thing that I've said to people before. You know, being an entrepreneur in many ways is one of those, the best entrepreneurs are the ones that sort of build things and they realize they have no choice but to take it on the road, right? It's not that they thought all night long about a business they want to launch. It's like something that came to them and they thought, oh my God, I, I, I have to run with this thing. And you know, if someone will come to you and say, I know exactly who this audience is. This audience that I'm building this thing for are people like me. You know, they're 25-year-old women and that, you know, graduated college that have this kind of income and these kind of interests. And that's what we're going to put it out to. And nothing happens. And then they peek a little left and all of a sudden it ends up 30-year-old men love it. And you say, that's my audience. And that is the key to building a business, which is listening to what the market says. The market is always right. Whether you want it to be or not. Correct. They are. <laughs> they're the ones paying for it. They're the ones watching it. They're the ones buying it. They're right. They're uh, right. They're always right. You're, of course, as you've already said, Stephanie, you were talking to Aaron for years. So you're watching all of this. Is this, <laughs> is, I mean, is that sort of like... Yeah, under the microscope. <laughs> uh, is this sort of typical in terms of when you think about acquiring um, or, or looking for companies that you may want to acquire or somehow work with? Is this kind of watching this dynamic and sort of saying, all right, are they going to fit within, the, not only just loving the product, are they going to fit, are those people going to fit within the occasions group? Yeah, it's a couple things, and every acquisition is so very different, which I'm sure, you know, if any of you have experienced that, every entrepreneurial business is different, and so every acquisition for us is very different and takes its own, uh, takes its own path to completion. And I think with Red Stamp, it was really um, understanding the vision and for us actually internally creating our vision and seeing how the two would mesh together going forward. And it was really the time that we took to get to know each other so that culturally, from a customer perspective, a talent innovation perspective, we were all marching on that same path. And so that was really the courting stage, getting back to your dating game analogy, right? <laughs> And We're so move to let's make it a deal, always, Monty right, Hall. It, it always yeah. comes back to that. But um, it was getting to know each other and finding the right fit and, um, you know, watching Red Stamp grow and continue to evolve into what they are today. Even just so much changes in a company like that within, you know, months. And so that's been really exciting and watching how fast they move. How did you so, find her? We're both in Minneapolis. How did we find each other? Do you remember? I know we had coffee the first time yes. we met yeah. you at emailed, Starbucks. Didn't you email Aaron? <laughs> well, it was because through one of our developers. Um, that was it. Actually, it was a developer's yeah. friend who was a friend of someone who was a colleague of mine. And so we had mutual mutual friends, and we I checked it out, and I think we we set up sat down and had coffee and really looked at, at to understand your business and where you were going, and something sparked. It's that first conversation. I feel like a lot of it, you can crunch the numbers and, and look at, which you, of course, need to do. But I think with a lot of entrepreneurial businesses, it's seeing is that talent and passion and vision there. Yeah. And if that exists, take it to the next step. And that's, that's what we did. Yeah. Well, and I will say this. This has to do with scaling. And the other question people have asked me a lot in the last couple of months is, well, how do you get people like Stephanie interested in what you're doing, right? Because it's a very... 
it's an interesting path in and of itself, and we could have a whole other session there. But um, I will say that have, it's, it does come back to the vision. We were talking about with the marketplace. Maybe the demographics are different, but if you know what you want to do and you have your eye set on that, be ready to kind of swerve. You know, I don't know what the word du jour is. I know people don't say pivot anymore. Um, evolve. Evolve. <laughs> evolve. evolve. But, um, right, evolve. But you do have to be ready to evolve because whether it's, you know, coming back and saying, okay, you know, three months later, here's, here's what we're thinking, or it's meeting with someone like um, the Occasions Group who has a wonderfully rich history. It's knowing who you are and what your point of view ha is and then saying, okay, where, where, is, where is this business going? Where is the marketplace going? Um, where am I best aligned in the marketplace? Which is, comes back to the Occasions Group with, the, with something, you know, like Stephanie said, um, you're about personalization. The Occasions Group is about personalization. Well, yes, exactly. I mean, that's, you have to have these. It sounds broad, but really it's not. Because when you think about all the avenues that that opens, if you think about what making relationships stronger is and all the avenues that opens, you can continue to evolve and continue to shape the business and find that spot. And that's really how you scale. Well, and what's, what's running through my mind and looking down at Joanne is, I mean, we, so, many, so often when we talk to entrepreneurs, we're like, okay, so what's your exit? And we say that, but at the same time, we don't want to meet with people who are just talking about an exit. Like how, you know, it's that, that fine kind of, all right, you want to meet someone who's got the passion to say, all right, this is where I want to take the company versus I'm going to do a fill in the blank. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if anyone, I won't meet with anyone who tells me what their exit's going to be because I find it ridiculous. Um, the real, I mean, it's just, it's like, really? Like, I'm going to win the lottery you, tomorrow. You haven't even started, so how do you even know what your exit's going to be? Um, but it's the passion behind a company, and I think, I really believe it's important at the very beginning, you know, as Aaron would come into New York and I would introduce to a variety of people that I thought could give her good advice, who had been in those type of businesses perhaps before, not exactly the exact same business, but understood her model to get, you know, think about where she was going to take this. Um, and, um, you know, you never know where you're going to evolve. I mean, I might look at something and say, all right, this is never going to be a big business. And someone else could look at it and say, this is absolutely genius. This is going to be huge. And, um, uh, again, that's listening to your marketplace. And one of your marketplaces, if you are looking for funding, is the marketplace of, of investors. And so it's, um, it's, it's a constant evolution. And I, and I do believe that the people that I have perhaps chosen to um, invest in and help them uh, grow their businesses, that there will be some point where there will be this curve in the road that will change everything or something will come into play that will make the business um, take it to a whole nother level. Um, and you, at the beginning, I mean, I think you just have to believe that that will happen. And where it goes, who knows? Um, you, you just don't know. Right. I would say we all know great examples of startups that started as a one thing and now they're something completely, completely different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of the evolution, let's talk about the future of correspondence. I mean, you started with paper. Your business started with paper. Where well, I still think paper actually is the future of correspondence because well, I think I mean talk about that, right? Because you know we just were looking at a recent study that said eighty plus percent, whether you're a millennial, whether you're a Gen Xer, whether you're a Boomer, 
what you really want, the gold standard, is still getting something that's meaningful to you, which traditionally means getting something through the USPS. Um, that actually might be changing, but that's a whole other <laughs> thing again. Um, so I, you know, I think that what is changing is that people are looking for different ways to make a more meaningful input that maybe they don't need to necessarily have the same materials on hand that they've had to have in the past. They still have to care, they still have to have the sentiment. Um, you know, one of the thing, one of the reasons a lot of people use us is because they feel like um, the other paper options aren't personal enough because they want to share a photo, for example. I mean, Stephanie actually is a big photo user for Red Stamp, right? It's because you want to take a real life picture that's happening at that moment and share it. So personalization is being cha is changing and developing, but I still think that paper is a really important part of the story. I would agree with that. We still see a lot of paper correspondence, whether it's a formal wedding, it's the holiday card that's being sent out annually, or it's that thanks for that wonderful play date. You've got that cute little picture of those kids that you're sending out. You can certainly, I think the email and the Facebook and the Instagram and text, all of that is, is not going away. But it's figuring out how do you, how are you there when she wants to use that? How are you there, whether it's on your phone or your tablet? And then how are you giving her different medium options so that she can do whatever and she has no restrictions or constraints? And that's what we really saw in Red Stamp is you can do all of those things. And you can do it so easily. It's on your phone. It's on the go. You can sit down at your desktop and it, it can still be meaningful. I mean, and Joanne, we t we're talking in the back about thank you notes. I mean, it's, there is something about getting the personalized. And I know I still go crazy when I get something that's like really great paper. You know. Thoughts on the future of correspondence? And you know, I, courtesy? I'm too futuristic, but I, um, I do understand the need for paper on occasion. Um, a condolence note, I think, should still be written in paper um, because more than likely it'll take some time for those people to go through those notes and they don't want to be piling up in their box. So I, I do think that I still write a, a physical note and stick it in the mail for a condolence note. Um, uh, I'm seeing more weddings that, um, you know, you get the save the date from Red Stamp and then the real deal comes at the very end in paper. Although there's been, all lead up has been through technology. Um, and I always think, well, did they just send that out because the people that are, you know, 60 and older need to have that paper? Um, but um, I think that more and more paper will become irrelevant. And you know, it's it's interesting. We've often had this debate. I mean, so I know I know exactly what you're talking about. Email and they send it to the But I think you know what I think is interesting, and what we actually we see is we see a lot of paper being sent, and then we see a lot of follow-up digitally. Or like we were talking about, you know, when you leave someone's house, it's kind of rude, actually, to pen a note and not give the host any feedback before it's delivered to them three days later, right? All of us are like, we want to know right now. How did we do? Um, so I think, you know, the combination will still be there. I, I, I Definitely, that's that's what we're counting yeah. on anyways. Yeah, no, Red I Stamp. think the combination will be, still be there. But... Um, you know, the beauty of Red Stamp, which we talked about, you know, back in the very, very beginning, is that going back to the extension of your brand. So, you know, Red Stamp has worked with Build-A-Bear and Stella and Dot, and for them to have an, a correspondence with their customer um, from a consumer and 
exchange of how did you like that piece or what have you not, you know, getting something in the mail, it's like that and four million different things from all these brands, they usually go right in the garbage can as long as they're like the pre-sorted mail thing. But if they get that something in their email box, they can open it up. It's a great little note. Someone just contacting you. It's an extension of their brand. Maybe they're getting 10% off their next purchase. I think that's where this is going. And to me, that was always an interesting thing. I mean, we talked about college, um, colleges way back in the day, which is you go to an event for your, uh, where you went to college and you go to an event with a bunch of people and the development office, you know, that are really dealing with companies that are so old school, you know, a bunch of, you know, I hate to say men in black suits that are trying to build businesses around these development offices. The reality is, is that, they want to grab the young graduates to come back and be part and make sure that they are constantly kept in touch as alumni, which actually means giving money. You know, if you can go to an event, they know who is on it, you leave the event, and then 10 minutes later you get a note in your, you know, handheld from Red Stamp, thank you so much for coming to the event. So great to see you. Here's a list of all your friends that were there. We would love you to give to this annual event. Click here, boom, done. I mean, that to me is great correspondence. Yeah, it cap capture them in the moment. But capture also, them in the moment. But and, and in a person nice, personalized, yes. beautiful way. Right, right. Well, they're enthusiastic in the car somewhere, leaving the event, and they're still, you know, excited about what they've just attended. Absolutely. Right, right there. Right oh. there. Get them right. <laughs> there. But this is also a good point. Talk about some of these partnerships. Like how, how you sort of in terms of evolving, did you originally think that you were going to be, all right, this is going to be for individuals and right. their events and their life. And when was sort of this epiphany that, all right, like I love the fact that you were, you know, thank your, you know, barista. barista like right. that's really nice. No, right. And I think that's, that's one of the wonderful things too, is, is understanding again, having a platform about relationships and making them stronger. It's not just you know, friend to friend, mom to daughter. It's it's you know, patron to barista. It's um, someone who comes into your store and buys a, a stuffed bear. We have a partnership with Build a Bear. Um, you know, there's just there's there's a lot of opportunity around relationships and strengthening that relationship. And so we help a lot of really great companies like Stella and Dot and Starbucks and Build a Bear and a couple of others that I can't even talk about um, make their relationship stronger. With, with the people that are important to them. Right, but you know what? That goes back to being a good entrepreneur. So the dots always connect. You, you came out of General Mills, right? And so the very beginning was, okay, there's all these companies out there. How is Red Stamp different? Screw the B2C. Let's go B2B, <laughs> right? No one's doing B2B, and we should be doing B2B. And so I think that is why you know, we are sitting up here you know, with the Taylor Corporation. B2B and B2B2C, which is the other piece, right, too. Right, right, right. The other the, evolving the other channel evolving that no channel. one talks about. Exactly. Right? Evolving. Let's see how many times we can talk about evolving. Shh. On, that, shh, on that other piece, we're not going to talk about it right now. That's okay. going to be for our follow-up. You know, okay. We're going to bring you all back. <laughs> we'll be at the Apple Store in Minneapolis talking about that one off camera. Not in January. Not Neither in January. Heck no. <laughs> Heck no. We're not going to be doing that um, in January. And some of this, what, you mean, what I'm thinking about is this all comes back to courtesy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, etiquette. Talk about modern etiquette. Modern etiquette. Modern, modern etiquette. etiquette. Yes. All right, so let's, I mean, we might have to unpack that as well. Okay, let's, social commerce. You know, that's almost the first line in the press release. Yes. You know, so 
What the heck take is the first step? I take the first step. What the heck is social commerce? Well, I think what's interesting about commerce is that the lines between any sort of commerce is blurring, right? People talk about e-commerce, m-commerce, social commerce, brick-and-mortar commerce. I mean, it's it's all blending. And so for us, when we sat down and said, "What are we? Are we an m-commerce, an e-commerce?" Well, you know, I mean, really, it's it's it doesn't really matter where your um, where your principal place of business is, what matters is where your clients are finding you most useful. And I don't even want to say buying from you because it's not always about buying. It's about that interaction with businesses. Um, so for us, I mean, we talk about being social because we have a very social presence. We, um, you know, we want to make it easy. We, we think of ourselves, Red Stamp, as modern day social secretaries. So in that modern day social secretary, we think of her as a she, I will say that, not to be sexist, but 90% of our clients are females. Um, and so we think about, you know, who, who is that person? Where is that person? And she's E, she's M, she's brick and mortar, she's wherever she needs to be. So social commerce. And I Anything just, to add? I would just add on to that. So it's, it's also when I think about social commerce and Red Stamp, you're trying to make it enjoyable and you know the social commerce but it's making it frictionless so wherever she's at again going back to her and making it easy enjoyable frictionless for her so i i would agree social commerce from red stamps perspective is wherever the customer is at and it doesn't it doesn't matter i think those lines are blurring i think the lines will eventually fade and and go away cool all right so i'm going to ask one more question so all of you in the audience likely have questions start thinking about them there's fabulous guys from Apple who are going to be around in a second with microphones, so get your questions ready. Um, Joanne, this is your first exit. Yeah. You are like renowned angel investor, prominent here in New York, but this is your first exit. How's it feel? It was great. Very excited. Very excited for Aaron. And, and you know, my, my one question was, are you happy? Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah. I mean, it was because it's it's... You're there, you help someone grow something, you are one piece of a puzzle, and at the end of the day, it's, it's her company, and it had to be right for her more than anything else. So how did it feel, Erin? It felt great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it feels good. You know what, honestly, it's, it's, I think the one thing I would say is make sure you have your list of criteria of what a successful exit is for you because it may be very different than it is for the next person. What was important to me, and Stephanie's heard this, now that we're on the same side of the table, it's not, the answer's not changing. Um, but, you know, it, I really wanted to make sure that we had, I, I think when I started the company, you know, you don't really know what an exit is, right, as Joanne said. And I sat down and set out, you know, you think of the glitz and the glamour and, you know, everyone talking about starting a company and doing this. But really, at the end of the day, I grew to love the company. I grew to love our clients. And I wanted to do what was best for the brand and the team, really, come down to the team. And we found a really great home. And that, to me, it was like score. That was the most important thing. And you didn't even have to move. No. Nope. <laughs> and I mean, Stephanie, you see, you know, you're doing acquisitions all the time. I mean, is how did this one feel? Any different than the others? Or was this, you know, courting, courting and watching, you know, Aaron <laughs> for the years? Game. And like, what, back to the dating game. We're going to use that new analogy. But seriously, was there anything different or special? Or you sort of like, okay, 
And I think, I think every time we do this, um, we look for that special spark. And sometimes it's different. Sometimes it's about a technology or a product or the talent. And this one was really unique because everything came together. And for me, like, that's the magic. I always sort of um, you know, joke that one plus one equals three, right? That was sort of our, our thing from the beginning. And that's what we're looking for, one plus one equals three. And so how do we create that? And you know, we felt that um, from the very beginning. And I have met, I think, everyone on your team. And there's just that, that meshing of brains and vision and talent and it all comes together and seeing that is, is really powerful because then we know together we can, we can achieve that vision. So I think it was a combination of things, but you kind of know there's some magic there. And then of course all the financials and the, the details come behind it, but you, know, you have to have that magic, right? You have to have that. That's, that's a really important ingredient. Make sure that in the details, the lawyers yeah. don't kill the magic. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. They, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> The former attorney can say that. <laughs> All right. Let's turn it to the audience. Let's get some questions. You know how much I love hearing my own voice, but I'd rather hear your questions. Hi. Um, how did the Red Stamp team grow? How did you start and um, get to where you needed to go and any lessons you would like to share? Sure. Um, the team started, you know, it's interesting. That's a really good question. I'm really fortunate that the people we've added to the team throughout the process are still with us, and we were able to hire them as part of the acquisition, which is really exciting. So we went from one employee, now we're, well, as of today, we're 10. <laughs> um, we just added a new hire today, who actually Stephanie recommended, see? So the synergies at work, synergies at work. Um, but you know, for us, I, I would say this, hire really, really slowly and make sure that you can follow through on the commitment. So um, if, you, if you wind up extending an offer of employment, that's very different than surrounding yourself with some really good contractors, which um, is, is how we, we did it for a really long time. Because until you have that stability, it's really hard, it's easier to ramp up than it is to, to pull back. Um, there's an expression, hire slowly, fire quickly. And that's really true too. Um, you gotta make sure that when you bring people on that they're the right people. So as you go, we often did trials. Um, and you know, very fair on both sides. It wasn't like we were saying, come work for us free for a month and we'll see what we can do. I and mean, we paid a you know, very good wage and, and gave them um, some really meaty stuff to work on. But at the end of that, it was a very easy way to say, you know what, this isn't gonna work. And so we were able to just part ways shaking hands. Um, and that happens a lot too with technology businesses, you know, different developers being able to call on certain skill sets when we needed them throughout the course of the business. You wanna do that you know, with, with your whole team and stay really flexible. And look for people that are willing to put their hearts and souls into it too, because if they're able to work really, really hard, um, and hard not necessarily meaning like all hours of the day, but just put their heart into it, and put their mind into it, and really be there, be present, then you'll find that um, the skills can, can come with time. You also wanna hire people that are drinking the same Kool-Aid as you are. Right, so that you know, you walk into one company, there's a certain vibe and feel. You walk into another, there's a totally different vibe and feel. And that cult, that cultural fit is so important. And that's why this worked out in terms of you know the exit is that there's a great cultural fit here. And many times that's really hard to find. Well, and I think just your point in terms of trying, um, like that hiring slowly, because I think there is an element we talked about a bit in the back, there's this, this slight element, or maybe a big element with startups right now, that it looks really glamorous. This is darn hard work. No, it's not glamorous. <laughs> we just slapped on the red lipstick to make it look good, yeah. <laughs> it is not glamorous, it's hard. Uh, just a quick question about company culture. 
because, as you know, it's very important. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced in, ex in keeping your co corporate culture from one employee to 10 employees? Uh, you know, well, in this case, we were really lucky in the sense that a lot of the people that we, we call the Red Stamp Network, so they're the contractors that we worked with beforehand, we were able to bring them on. So there are, there's that common thread. Um, but I think to Joanne's point, it is making sure that everyone understands why you're there. And everyone, you know, for us, again, I go back, to, I sound like a broken record, I know, but we're here to make relationships stronger in the office, out of the office. I mean, you walk into our office and Stephanie can tell you and Joanne can tell you too. I mean, we are like a cheerful bunch walking around, we're, we're smiling, we're offering each other things to eat. I mean, it goes back to that modern etiquette and gracious, but you gotta, you know, you gotta walk the walk. And if, if someone walked in, I mean, we would not be the right place to work for a lot of people because we're outgoing, we're boisterous. Um, but it works for us. So I think just making sure that you're really, really meticulous and doing things like trying people out, tapping into your network, um, you know, reaching out to trusted sources for key hires, that sort of thing. People that know you know your company. It's really important. And you just got to think of it. It's literally like one piece at a time. Um, and every single person makes a huge difference. It's like that idea of a pyramid where if you have someone in the pyramid who is not quite right for the, the culture, then the whole thing falls. It's interesting. Hi. So this question is actually for Joanne. Uh, how often does it happen that you talk to an entrepreneur, um, you get pretty down far down the road with an idea that they have, you pass, and then they do come back to you with a completely evolved idea <laughs> a few months later? How, how often does that really happen? For me, you know, it's not, it really hasn't happened. Um, I had one company that I went really far down the line with. Um, I mean, uh, you know, her, the documents were a disaster. Um, they had built a company really with friends and family that, to shame, shame on the friends and family that were very successful people that had put money into this business with such a like back of the envelope set of legal documents and you know with money that was owed because it was dead and then the equity I mean it was just a disaster and you know the the farther I went down and what have you I mean I felt really bad but at the end of the day I, I just couldn't pull the trigger and I made her change documents I made her go back and recap a bunch of stuff that by the way I actually think I I helped her build a much stronger foundation for the small time that I spent, you know, fingering around in her, her business. Um, you know, but in the end, I just said, I am, I can't, I can't do it. Uh, you know, in my heart, I just, I, I like what you're doing. I believe in what you've done. I wish you the best of luck, but I just can't pull the trigger. Um, but, you know, people do come back. I'm always happy to talk to people about where they go and what they're doing. Um, but um, rarely have, I, I don't think I've done that, gone back and said, you know, that I should have done that. Well, and in our case too, I mean, we were still continuing the conversation, I yes. think. So it wasn't like it was, it wasn't like you had said no. No, no, we were totally continuing yeah. the conversation. And that happens to you quite yeah. a bit, doesn't it? Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, this one woman I saw this week, I mean, we've been, we've been talking for six months. 
It takes a long time to do these things. I mean, whether you're selling or whether you're finding your investors, I mean, that, that is a piece of advice that I would give to everyone is, you know, it don't just rush right into it. You're, you can't just walk up to someone and say, here's my business, want to invest, right? Yeah. Or here's my business, want right. to buy it. <laughs> It's a little oh, slower than oh, that. Oh, it didn't work that way? It didn't. It didn't. Oh, gosh. Oh God, no, yeah. as I said, said something recently, I mean, finding an investor is not like the yellow pages. Like, you know, oh, there we got one for you. So, yeah, this whole process and this, you know, uh, and maybe this gets back to the importance of red stamp and relationships and making relationships stronger. As part of this, people don't understand making those relationships, and then it may take six months talking to Joanne or somebody yeah, else. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. You know, it's it's... You never know. I would echo that too. Sometimes you you know right away, mm -hmm. and you you know you make that decision very quickly. And sometimes that's on a conversation or financials or having the documents in order or having a vision, even having a vision. Yeah. And other times, all of that can be in order, and you don't pull the trigger because it isn't the right fit. Um, or sometimes it just you know it just I would say that minimally it takes six months, and that's that's minimum. Um, a lot of acquisitions we do they're based on relationships, and they take a lot longer because the cultural fit is so important. And so I think that's good advice for anyone you're talking to as an investor. You're right, it's not in the yellow pages, but when you do find that person, it can take some time because, as Aaron has said, you have to know what your exit plan is. You have to know what you want out of it, and that has to match up for all of the parties. I'm just wondering, anyone watching this podcast, if they're going to get my yellow pages reference. I know, right? <laughs> what is the yellow pages? Let's date ourselves big time. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed watching Red Stamp. I'm, I'm a big fan. So my question is a combination, for a little bit for all of you. Uh, there's art, science, and commerce, Aaron, as, as, when you brought it all together. And part of that is how much do you, as well as for your purchase, Stephanie and Joanne, for investing, how much do you listen to what people say to do? For instance, you know, I use the app, and I'm sure I, like many people, had lots of opinions, and I've heard founders say sometimes they listened to too much and did, and that distracted. So at what point did you know to listen and adapt or ignore? I think for anybody, whether what part of the process you're all in. No, it's, that's, it's a really great question because it's it one of those things question. of like assessing those founders you want to invest in is their ability, like understanding it's their company and being passionate about it and knowing when to filter advice and saying, I heard you, that's great, but this is my company, this is what I want to do. Right. And when they need to say, you know what, I need to, I need to evolve. It's, um, it's a fine balance. I mean, certainly I want to work with people that are... I always say to the people that I've invested in, you can email me four times a day. I will get back to you, I will answer you, I will help you. If I don't know the answer, I will find someone that does. Um, and I'm happy to sit on the phone with you or meet you person to person and hammer out something you're having a hard time going through. I think it's important to use your investors, um, not the people you're talking to who are thinking about investing, different to, um, because many of your best investors have been in that movie before. And they have, um, they know the different endings. And some of them are not pretty. And you want someone who has been through that movie before and can save you a lot of money um, and a lot of time because they've seen it happen before and they know how it makes sense to do it this way. On the other hand, going out and looking for money 
and talking to a bunch of people, everyone's got their two cents on what they think is what your business should be. And my feeling in regards to that is there's only one business that I had something in mind of what I wanted for whatever reason. But in general, I always say it's your business. You know, you tell me what you're looking to build here. Um, and even companies that are way down the line, um, and I have said, you know, my advice is this. Um, I like what, this makes sense to me, this makes sense to me. I think you need to drill down more on this. You know, if you change and you think you should be selling diapers all day, that's your business. You're the entrepreneur, right? I'm here to support you and give you advice. You don't have to take my advice. I appreciate you asking for my advice, but you want someone who's pretty tough in their convictions, but on the other hand, flexible enough to know at 11.01 on Tuesday morning, this business is not working. <laughs> and I think that, you know, I mean, you, you hit upon a couple of key themes there, but I would say that if I was always really interested in hearing what people had to say, but I was more interested in then interpreting that into what they meant because that's a really different thing altogether, right? It's, so um, it's funny, in 2009, 2010, when we went mobile, people were like, you're crazy, this is never gonna work, people aren't gonna wanna look at a screen this big and send a card and, I mean, it, you know, I mean, I, we heard a lot of that and I said, well, you know what, right, Joyce, I know. We met at South by Southwest actually, so we talked a lot about this, but um, you know, I, for us, we knew, no, yes, this is, this is the new modern day social secretary, right? We knew what we wanted to do and what we wanted to provide to people, what our service, what our product, what our offering was gonna be. What we listened to, though, was the best way to go about delivering that. Um, but so it's, 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 it is, it's, it's like art and science, it really is. But if you have a really strong conviction of what you're trying to offer, I think it helps a lot. And I would add to that because at the very beginning of a conversation like the one Aaron and I started, I then, as we're collecting information and looking at the marketplace and doing our due diligence, I look for a lot of different opinions, both in the organization, in the marketplace. And you hear, you know, if you talk to 200 people, you hear 200 different opinions. And at the end of the day, we boil it down to what is our mission. Just like Aaron's looking at what's her vision and mission for the company, I'm doing the same thing for the Occasions Group and Taylor. And if it fits that and there's still questions, we continue the conversation. If it doesn't fit, then it's easy to, you know, to exit at that point. But that's the one thing I always go back to is what's that central purpose of our organization and our mission and, and does it fit? It's good to get the color, I think, to add to your, um, to your opinion, to the questions that you'll ask as follow-ups, to uh, taking your next steps, but it always has to come back to, to the mission and the vision. Hi. So I did um, graphics, like very high-end graphics and um, design for uh, other artists and um, individuals and businesses. And I'm interested in how Red Stamp, in a way, is sort of curating the experience for the customer especially maybe younger women who haven't had that whole sense of like Joanne says, like you're writing uh, a condolence note on a piece of paper because that's what's correct. I'm just wondering how much of that you feel you had to sort of mentor and sort of create these new paradigms as you move to mobile and whatever else to sort of almost teach people how to be nice and like which kind of nice thing, you know, is the appropriate way to like, what's the nice thing to send now? Like click here and sort of almost in a way guide and educate some women who like grew up without all this paper and stationery or, or this other forms of communication. 
Well, it is really interesting to see how the different age groups are using Red Stamp, right? We have, we were just talking about this before, no, 13 year olds in um, Asia that are sending fan mail. You know, Justin Bieber was a really popular uh, recipient of many Red Stamp cards on Twitter, for example. Uh, so, you know, it knew? does. There's a trivia question we can add on something now. Yeah, like. that's right. <laughs> so, I think that, you know, we, at, the, at the end of the day, we say we're in the business of thanking, wishing, inviting, announcing. Right. That's that's what we're that's what we're trying to do. How do we get? How do we make it easy for people to do those things with the people that they care about? Um, so we we've tried a bunch of different things. We're still trying ways. Um, we offer wording assistance. We try and make our categorization really simple. I mean, a lot of it is just sort of blocking and tackling and not really sexy. Um, we also try and give people room to feel like they can express themselves in our designs but at the same time still feel like it's a no-fail send. So, you know, we don't always get it right, but we're always trying and evolving. And I think, you know, again, it's, it's saying, well, what, what do we want people to walk away with feeling, you know, when they, when they use this app? Um, we want them to feel good because they just made someone's day or said happy birthday. And then let's help them, you know, through user experience and through design, guide them along the way. And we still, I, you know, I think that's actually one of the most exciting areas because I feel like, in general, um, there's still so much to be tapped into. And uh, you know, not only just like in our application, but just in general with using these devices and interfacing, you know, you think about voice and commanding and how you can really take that or, or wearables, for example. I know I'm getting like really off here, but like thinking about, you know, wouldn't it be great if you had like a little bat, you know, watch or something that you could talk into and, and, and give a command. So I, you know, I think there's just, a, it's, it's a really interesting area that, um, that we've just scratched the surface on. I would also add that we're seeing, having been in the wedding business for such a long time, uh, since really the 60s and 70s, we're seeing etiquette change. So it used to be very specific and structured, um, even in wedding or holiday or, or carry that into any occasion, really. But we've seen sort of this shift over, it's not a perfect etiquette, but it's what's right for me, what's right for you, what's right for you. It's all different and that's okay. And so helping her express herself and create those strong relationships can mean different things to different people. And that's one of the things that I really liked about Red Stamp is it can be so personal. There isn't a right way to do it. There's a, a personal way to do it for you. I just like to sit there with the data. I hadn't even thought about it in terms of like who, cool. geographic Justin and age. We're not going to discuss him. That's not going to be the topic. But uh, just this really interesting to me and intriguing in terms of, you know, I would say society and parts of society and how these things are evolving. So that to me is like really cool. Well, you can come have access to our data. Let's <gasps> <laughs> mine. You know, like I've got like big crushes on data scientists. Like I just, they, like, yeah. you know, I was really like cool say Indiana, Indiana Jones of the internet and what they're finding and discovering. I just think it's too cool. For but words. I think what is cool too is that these devices make data so beautiful, right? So when you talk about design for mobile, it's, it is, it's data and it's working through data and visually representing it. And it's, it's, it is. It's cool. So thank you for sharing your story. I wanted to talk a little bit about your fundraising strategy. Specifically, I've heard that women often wait too late to start. And so I want to know, when did you start? Um, when, especially being in Minneapolis, I mean, most of us here are from New York, but I'm sure people on the podcast are interested. How did you tap in? Did you strategize who you were? And then what were your thoughts about um, how to engage them most effectively? That is a really good question. And it's very different for everyone. Um, you know, we put in actually self-funded the business in the in the beginning, and um, then went friends and family, 
And um, we actually never really, really opened it up for investing beyond kind of, I would say, extended friends and family. I mean, Joanne was really our only angel. And then there was another group that we had that um, we were very close with that we welcomed into our investing group. Um, so I, I'm probably a little bit different in the sense that I, I really only wanted good, solid investors who um, believed in the vision and I knew would help us stay focused and keep focused. And I know, I think I know what Joanne's going to say when she answers this question, well, but it's important. The, the money that you get is really important. Yeah, the money you get is very important. I mean, just as you're doing diligence on your business, you should be diligence on the people that are giving you cash. Um, I've been in businesses, uh, you know, in the 90s that it was bad money. I mean, those investors just showed up once a month and figured you got everything done since the last meeting you had. And they were not engaged. They were not helpful. I don't even think they realized what their role was in regards to helping this company move forward and perhaps exit. Um, and so it was bad money. And um, the company ended up, in the end, failing. And, um, you know, it's very important to... Um, you know, Erin is really lucky because she didn't really need any cash. Um, but could, you know, could you just I, can you just repeat that again? She, was, she, didn't, need, she didn't need cash. Yeah, she didn't. Oh, need she cash. was focused on revenue. Well, no, it wasn't about revenue. It was also <laughs> about you know she had you know enough capital among friends and family to invest in this thing, and she didn't need to go outside her circle, which is a rarity um, and a wonderful problem to have. Um, but People come all the time and talk to me who need funding. From the very beginning, their business takes off. They're getting some traction. They go from, you know, had a little idea, put it up on the net. Before I know it, there's 20,000 people that are, you know, paying attention to me here. And it's changing every single day. And I know I need to hire people because I can see where this thing is going. And that's when you start looking for money. Um, and then there's, you know, that's a whole component of your business for a very, very long time. Um, but the important thing is um, always be raising cash. And even once you have that cash in the bank, you need to continue and have the relationships and the conversations with people you've met along the line that might have said no at the beginning, but would give you money later on because they are people that can write a bigger check. Um, or um, they are um, people that like what you're doing and happy to give you some advice because you want it. Um, and whereas people have come up and said, I've seen where they're like, we love what you're doing. We know you just closed around last month. We really don't care. We're going to put in money at a higher valuation right now. Um, but it's, you know, there's a woman I invested in almost three years ago now. And I introduced her to someone who said to me, Thank you so much. This is so not for me. We would never do this. Okay, fine. And he followed her from afar, and he just put five and a half million dollars into her business. And you well, know, he didn't I, like it. And I emailed him, and I was like, I'm so excited. And he said, you know, if you hadn't introduced her to me, I would have never gotten to this. But through that relationship, she kept me apprised of what's going on. And um, never say never, but as a VC who needs to put more money to work versus an angel investor, that's a great thing to be able to write a $5 million check. 
Um, and so I think that there's all different stages. And, and some of this too is like, when do you need, do you need money? And we talked about this in the back is like, so many people think they need money to start their idea. Where you, you have someone like Aaron who says, you know what, I'm gonna self fund this. I believe in this. I'm gonna build a company around this. And that's what I would say. I mean, you know, it definitely required capital to, to build the company. And it's not like I was able to just write a check and do it. So I just want to make sure, especially because this is going to be a podcast, I better get that out there. Um, but I think that finding the right investors is just really important and really scrimping and saving. You know, we paid some of our Red Stamp Network in um, equity or profits interest. You know, I mean, we, we did what we needed to do to keep the integrity of the company intact and feel like it was the right thing for our business at the right time. Um, and that didn't mean necessarily always having like a really you know, sexy office. Um, it means I dro drove my 99 Forerunner until the Toyota dealer like made me donate it because they wouldn't fix it anymore. I mean, it's stuff like that, you know, and it's, it's not, that's not like the fun stuff, but um, make sure that you have the relationships there because the relationships will also, um, like I, at one point in time, we did actually need um, a round. We actually were deeply into talks with another company to acquire us. We thought we were gonna go that route, so we made some investments into the business, kind of getting over our skis a little bit. And it was actually, um, you know, some friends, I mean, I, they're work friends, who said, I believe in you, I believe in your vision, I've seen what you've done with this company over this time, I'm gonna invest, I'm gonna do this, I, I, let me in, like I want this opportunity. So it's tricky, everyone's a little bit different, but if you have a solid business, if you have a proven record, if you have good relationships, that really helps. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if you have a good business model, you will find a good investor. But it will take time. It could. Build the rules of relationships before you need them. All right. I think we answered that question. <laughs> we answered the heck out of that one. <laughs> On that note, I'll let you take it away. Well, if I'm going to take it away, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in thanking our panel for being so oh, great thank tonight. You.